was a long time ago. Yeah, man. that was a few years ago. Yeah, that was before I left. <laughs> All right, man, time is flying. Okay, well, <clears throat> beginning in three, two. Well, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. Um, in this episode, I am joined by um, Ricky and Alan. How are you guys doing? Doing good, Steve. Good to talk to you. Yeah, yes. good. How are you? Doing good. Thank you. Um, yeah, so long-winded introduction. I'll skip that. Uh, we'll get into it later, but um, let's just go ahead and kind of just dive right in. So um, on the off chance, Alan, no one's ever heard of you, if you can kind of give us like a quick introduction and spill. Oh, I hope I meet someday the person who's never heard of me. Uh, <laughs> My name is Alan, uh, Alan Thomas. I've been playing dodgeball for going on, it's almost 20 years now. Uh, my dad got me playing when I was a teenager in local rec league, playing 8.5 rubber. Uh, when we found out about Elite, um, we were stoked and played that for until it folded and then a year USA dodgeball. And yeah, just uh, run a local rec league here, very involved in dodgeball and growing the community and ideas for different things that could help you know, make the game a little, bring a little more spotlight to the game. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk about it and get to it a little bit more and um, for reasons. But uh, before we do that, uh, Ricky, your turn. Yeah, my, my name is Ricky. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey and then I moved on out to Portland uh, kind of on a whim with my ex-wife. And she just kind of randomly answered a Craigslist ad for a dodgeball team <laughs> and then i was like i'm not playing dodgeball that's dumb and and then i f like immediately fell in love with it and that was like i want to say like 14 years ago and then yeah i mean sean and i i met sean anderson playing dodgeball and then we went to the ndl which we went the last year or the first year i believe of elite so like there was no one there it was like three or four teams and it was like i paid 250 dollars for this <laughs> like and it was like just a, and some of the teams were like hodgepodge and mashed together. And then after that, Sean and I were like, we got to go to like this other thing. We got to go to elite. And then we got Alan involved and then played on rainbows for a few years. And then much like Alan, like, you know, I'm very involved in the, the local community. I help run the uh, dodgeball PDX nonprofit that we run here where we have right now, we just have a rec league. And then we just started doing like a intermediate seven inch foam league. And then I usually captain teams in there and I'm, I'm mostly just in the rec league you know, teaching some of the newer players, like how to play dodgeball, how to catch, how to do this, that, and the other thing, and just showing them how the game and help grow the game. Awesome. Well, I think we were talking before we started recording about how, um, Ricky, you haven't been on this episode before, and I'm starting to think about my lineup for this next season. So I'll definitely have to have you on and delve more into your dodgeball origin story. Cause I, I do really miss, um, miss those. And it's, it's always hard not to dive right in and, um, you know, to control myself from, from doing so. So, um, yeah, I'll definitely get back to you. And then for those that, um, may remember Alan, I think I interviewed you. Well, I can't say, I think I'm looking right at it. Season two, episode 20. So, um, I'd be curious, like how much has changed since then? Cause that was season two for me was man, 2019. So was it that late? I, I thought it would have been before that, honestly. Yeah. Um, pre COVID. Yeah, pre yeah, for sure pre-COVID, but 2019. I guess that could be right. It could have been like early 2019. Yeah, you know who could tell me right? Like the date and timestamp would be Sergio. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, man, yeah, pre-COVID, pre-Kuwait for me, pre a lot of things. But uh, what, I, what I really liked um, 
you know, just take a moment to kind of talk about like my experience with Grip City. Um, you guys have been doing these uh, 4v4 tournaments and I've been able to escape the heat and engage in a few of them and, and they're a blast. Like it's, um, you know, USA Dodgeball has its thing. I, I, I do enjoy it. Um, but I don't know, there's something just different and new that um, the last two times I played with you guys, uh, I just loved every second of it. And so uh, to give some, I guess, background or context, I think you talk to me about this, Alan, I want to say maybe a few months ago, like maybe towards the end of summertime. And so, um, my schedule was just kind of chaotic and never really got to actually sit down and talk to you guys about what you have in store. So I think that's a pretty good segue to just kind of jump right in. So, um, do you guys want to spend a couple minutes talking about like the grip city tournaments first and foremost, like what those are and, um, just to kind of get some background or how do you, how do you want to approach, uh, how do you want to approach this? We had the idea, the bigger idea of, uh, you know, running something like this uh, came from watching YouTube for me, the Major League Wiffle Ball and like John Boy's Warehouse Sports, um, the stuff that uh, like Trevor Bauer does with Momentum and um, Eric Sim. Just the game. Basically, it's just a bunch of guys to get together and play games like they kind of make up a game or, you know, with Wiffle Ball, it's a game kind of everyone knows, but it's played a little differently everywhere. And uh, the idea of just creating content around dodgeball. Uh, and we had to start by figuring out if the version of dodgeball we wanted to play was fun and interesting. So we had the idea to run these kind of one-off tournaments, sort of. Uh, now we're calling them Grip City Showcase. So uh, it's a place for players who aren't in Grip City to come and play in these tournaments now. Help us raise money and come play a, you know, a good competitive tournament um, at a really reasonable price. Uh, so, and also, also make a name for themselves if they want to play, if they want yeah. to get. Yeah, find a way in, get you know, get to play with some of the players who are who are in there, get seen by the captains, um, and uh, and just local competitive tournaments. Uh, there, kind of when Elite started, you know, we used to have the the Seattle Classic, there was the Seattle Secret Tournament, there used to be tournaments in Portland, and a lot of that. Dodge Northwest. Yeah, Dodge Northwest existed. Uh, I ran a few things with Premier Dodgeball. Uh, and a lot of that fell by the wayside when we were traveling, you know, four or five times a year for these major tournaments all around. It became, weekends became crowded. And when you didn't have to travel for Dodgeball, that kind of became a relief. And so I had I had really wanted to bring competitive local Dodgeball back as well. And that was, that was a part of this too. Gotcha. Yeah, like I said, it's... Um... It, it was different because I, I think the last time I played with, uh, it was 8.25 foam balls. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, actually that's when I got my first competitive start back in the day, 2000, 2004, uh, like right when the movie came out, there was, you know, everybody was trying to do dodgeball leagues and this one park decided they wanted to do that, um, with like the 8.25 foam gator balls. And those were awful. Cause we had just, mm-hmm. we had already at that point got used to, the uh the old school 8.5 double ply rubber balls and so we're like the, the heck is this thing um <laughs> and so i was just kind of you know that first tournament that i came out i think in like september i was kind of looking at this thing like oh man i haven't thrown one of these things in a long time i wonder how this is going to feel but I, I don't know they're they're fun like maybe just because i've had some experience of foam already leading into this but um you know why'd you guys go for that specific ball uh ricky do you want to speak to that uh so I mean, my 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 history for eight point five is well documented. My love for that. Uh, 
I am very pro a ball that uh, is an even game. Uh, like, you know, when you talk about seven inch foam or no sting, I think those balls heavily weight towards a throwing player. Whereas like, you know, 8.5 and eight and a quarter foam, like they, they even the game a little bit for a catching player versus a throwing player. Uh, and then as far as like the choice for this, like this is the ball that we use in our, in Allen's like foam league. Uh, and we like for video sake, I think it's the easiest to follow. I think it's, it's a bigger ball. So it'll, uh, it's a little easier to, to track as you uh, like watch these videos. Once we start shooting the actual matches. That was a big consideration when we were coming up with the rules, the ball type and things like that is if we want people to watch it, it's got to be something that, that it's got to be watchable. Right. Ricky, you talk about this a lot that when we go to a lot of these tournaments, a lot of times it'll get down to the finals and ha you know, half the people who are eliminated left, like they don't even want to watch oh. dodgeball. <laughs> like they're, right. they're gone. If you go There's look a... at videos on YouTube from dodgeball, just from regular tournaments, like, Basically, the people who watch it are the people who are in that match. So you get like twenty to fifty right. views, and that's it. Um, right. So you gotta you gotta figure out how to put forward a product of dodgeball that's interesting to watch, but also that the average person can turn on and kind of figure out that you know there's not too much going on. There's not it's not such a big space that they can't see it all, uh, and that you can't get it all well recorded with good um, with good angles and 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 you know good quality. There's, there's also like, it, it's dodgeball is a very different game in practice than in theory. Uh, every one of us has uh, that, we, like we, you know, we tell people we work with or whatever, your friends, your family that don't play dodgeball, you're like, yeah, I play dodgeball, and they all show up. And we've all seen those new people that show up and they just run around like it's the wild west. And when you play competitively, it, it is a lot more of a chess game of you go, we go, you go, we go. It's, it's a lot slower than people think. So, uh, no one that doesn't already care about dodgeball is going to watch it, especially when you consider that nobody that cares about dodgeball wants to watch it. Every elite tournament or USA dodgeball tournament, I haven't played in any of those, but any one of these major tournaments, when you get down to the finals, no one's there. It's like three teams, the two teams that are playing refs and then a handful of people. Cause everyone left to go get Chipotle. Like they dodgeball. People don't want to watch dodgeball as is. So, why would anyone else, right? That's kind of crazy. So when we sat down with this idea, that was like a big thing that we talked about was like, how can we make this like fun and fast and exciting to play, but still like maintain a competitive game and not really compromise like the integrity of like what dodgeball is. Cause you can do it like, and you can do all kinds of stuff and make it way fast, but like, you know, it's just, you're at some level, you're compromising the integrity of the game. Right. With all that being said, uh, to get into what we actually decided on, a lot of people out there don't know the rules or don't know the format that we decided on. So uh, our league is called Grip City. Uh, Grip City Dodgeball is a social media handle. It's on Instagram, Facebook. Um, for Grip City, we decided to decrease the number of players and the number of balls from most major forms of dodgeball. So it's a four-on-four -four game with five balls. Uh, the burden rule is the side with more balls. It's as simple as that. If you have three or more, you have to throw. You have to throw down to less than three in 10 seconds. Um, the burden works similar to the way it worked in elite balls thrown after the count has started. Don't don't impact the team with majority. Um, so if you start the, the 10 second count with three balls, you've just got to throw one no matter how many they throw at you. Uh, we play on a pickleball court, which is 44 feet long by 20 feet wide. 
Um, there's no neutral zone, uh, so 22-foot throw line, so just a little longer than the old Elite you know, throw line from in the neutral zone, uh, with an 8 and a quarter inch foam Rhino skin ball. Uh, I would say it's definitely got more heft to it than a 7-inch, um, but it's probably somewhere in the range of no sting, so it still has a good amount of weight, but uh, you can also get a decent amount of movement on it. So throwing it 22 feet is a pretty quick reaction time. It, it feels pretty similar to the eight eight and a half throw line from elite at 20 feet where you have not a lot of time to respond but it's still a fairly balanced like good catchers will still make catches against good throwers which is something as ricky said is really important to us the balance there where it's not just a throwing game or just a catching game gotcha and um is it fair to say like this it's a it's a little more linear like it does have like an 8.5 fill at least what i noticed like the the two times i played is, is that the kind of feedback you guys are getting or, or the feel or the ball that... or the game both like obviously you can still curve the crap out of it but like the i guess more like the game feels like good old elite 8.5 again in some some respects for me anyway uh, i think, I think I, it's... go ahead Go ahead. Ricky, yeah i think it's faster it's a lot faster because when you when you cut the court down to four players like it it kind of incentivizes like account heavy counterattacking because like you know you get into a four on three or a four on two like that's tough to get out of so it, it definitely like once you get up two players like then it heavily incentivizes like counter throwing and rushing players and and taking trades and doing all those things like this sort of format cuts right to like the meat of the game like the juicy parts right and we haven't talked about it yet but like the center ball like on the rush we have two balls for each team and then the center ball is live anyone can go get it so there's a sort of a head-to-head -head rush to it with the caveat that you cannot pick up the ball you can only swat it so now we've like created this like chaotic rush where like players are rushing to to get up there and get that ball and then swat it instead of picking it up and then like it's become this thing about like you know swatting it in a good way like to your teammates so for that quick rush and they can just pick it up and drill someone and then even like we've done what three now three or four of them? i think it's four 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 of them and like reeve i mean reeve changed the whole rush in like the second one because he played in that second one and he was the one that was like i'll just let you hit the ball first and then i'm gonna smack it back my way yeah with long arms he could reach yeah. in there and hit it after say. you hit it yeah and, so once and it starts rolling the... to your side he pulls it right back uh, so that that being said, to to go to what you said, Steve, I do think that there is that feel of kind of a Lee 8.5 in the in that everyone's closer. Um, the the exchanges and things like that are they're more solid. Like you have a hit in this, and it's usually like it, it's a good hit. Whereas a lot of seven inch foam and sometimes no sting too, you get a lot of glancing blows. You get a lot more pop-ups and things like that. With the bigger ball, there's more surface. The hit is a little bigger. Um, but also, there's a lot of inspiration taken from the cloth game. When we were coming up with rules, I played the cloth game a bit. And I think there's some really bad rules in there. The, like, intent, the throw intent rule or, like, having to get close to people. Rules like that throw. create a lot of gray area. They're tough to ref. And it, a lot of times, that and time dodgeball are only there because of actual other problems in the game. Um, if the game is stalling and things like that, you have to create a rule where the team can't just like throw the ball at no one on purpose. That that having to exist is just masking another problem that players are incentivized not to actually be playing the game. 
So you want to get that out of the game and say, like, look, if you're going to waste your throw, the other team's close enough to you and can throw well enough that they can just hit you instead. So right. you don't you like you you want to actually be trying to advance the game because if you're not, you're in danger of losing it. And so fast forwarding the game to four on four is a, is a change that really got that out of the way. If you lose a player or two and you're down four on two, you can't waste throws anymore. And that team that's up four on two isn't so far ahead that the game isn't swung on one catch, right? right. A single catch from that team with two players evens the game. So um, when you're up six on two and you you can run out, you know, half of the half in seven inch foam, you're incentivizing players to not really play the game. Like at this point, <laughs> we've we've kind of uh we've kind of like compromised the integrity of the game a little bit that we're just here throwing not really to hit anyone because coming back to on six is is going to take too much time for them and sometimes they're incentivized just to step out of bounds and start a new game and that is weird to watch when you're watching a game where the team's just like we'll just lose and try again right there's there is dodgeball is a lot more similar to baseball where three outs and you're done. There's a finite line or end game. And that's when all the players are out, right? Like it's not like a game like soccer or hockey or basketball where you can just keep scoring and scoring and scoring. Sure. We could play 500 games, but who's going to do that. Right? Like when you could just do best of sevens or whatever, like this is a dodgeball is much more suited for a best of than a timed game. Uh, I remember way back in the day, the the Mark Acom used to do a podcast about dodgeball, and I remember him talking about a clock and calling it a third team, hmm. because I think it is sort of a third team in the game. Because, like Alan just talked about, like it certainly incentivizes you to waste time and drag the game out, especially if you have a lead, right? If you have a lead and you can stay alive, like then just waste time. Could you imagine what Rise would have done? Like with Tim? Oh, yeah. Tim's ability to stay alive, like if it was timed? They would have absolutely capitalized on that. And Right. Tim would have just been like, you're never going to hit me because I'm the hardest person on the planet to get out, so I will just stay here once we get a lead on you and ne- you'll never get me. Yeah, and, and I, I've seen like, it. Nobody wants to watch that. Yeah. yeah. What's that look like to the viewer? I, I That's what right. I think about. It's like, for us in dodgeball, we can see, oh, the nuance here, like the dodging. But as the viewer, like they're just watching a game go on with no one getting out, throws not even going near anyone for, you know, a three to five minute game that didn't need to be that long. That game could have ended a while ago. Um, and it, it is going to probably end the way we know it's going to end when that team has run off as much time as they want to run off. So get it, So getting down to four on four, getting the lines close enough where pretty much all competent players can throw an out um, just gives us, it gets us down to the core of what dodgeball should be, which is throwing, dodging and catching, getting all four, or in this case four, but you know, in whatever version of dodgeball, however many players are on the other team, you win when they're all out adding time to that. It's just an extra step that changes the dynamic of the game. When we're trying to play dodgeball, I, I want that. I want that dynamic. I want the game to end when we got them all out. And if that takes too long, then we need to change something. We, we don't need to add a clock. We need to change the game so that getting them all out is is a more compact thing, especially if what we're going for is people watching the game. We, we don't want one game of dodgeball right. taking five or seven minutes. We want a match taking 15 minutes, so, you know, whether that's seven games or five games. We want that to be quick. Right. 
Yeah, I was actually going to ask, like, because uh, you'd mentioned, like, the viewer. So, you know, like, the intent is to, um, are, are you guys trying to package a product to show others with the hopes of, like, um, you know, I don't want to say going viral, but, like, ca capturing an audience? Are you trying to elevate the player, the sport, all the above? Like, is it just kind of, like, what, what's the what's the main uh goal, I guess, if we didn't cover that previously? The main goal is to put out um, sort of like a syndicated um, show, not, not like a TV show like you would think. But um, for those familiar with Major League Wiffle Ball, MLW Wiffle Ball on YouTube, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Gotcha. It started as some kids in their yard who made six or four Wiffle Ball teams and they started playing a season against each other. And then they played a tournament. And then the next year, they added a team or two and now it was six teams playing and then, you know, then it's eight and now it's, I think, 10 or maybe it's still at eight. But it's just a league. And every after each season, they have an off season. Players will leave some teams. They have a draft for players who weren't in the previous season to sign up to try to get on teams. Um, but you take each match, um, you film it. We filmed two practice sessions that are posted on the, you know, the, hey, we're going to do this interview. So if you go look in the Dodgeball podcast uh, Facebook, you can see the two like kind of first uh, first run that we did pilots. first run videos. Yeah, the pilots. Right. Um, we set up five cameras, a main one that tracks the whole court back and forth, uh, two go two that shoot over like the each team's shoulder kind of from the side. So you can see their attack and into the other team. So one of those going each direction and then one along each back line. So we can cut between those different angles uh, as we're editing to show, you know, a good angle on the play or something you might have missed or you know here's just a second look at that awesome thing that happened um we edit those games into you know a 10 to 15 maybe 20 minute episode play it you know put it up on youtube and then while these episodes are getting edited and going up we're playing you know more matches and we have a season eventually we have a championship so we did the draft we have six teams with four players plus their franchise owner who serves as the captain and uh, we're doing our first practice uh the 28th so we'll have all almost all the players there for the first practice to you know get the rule set down get together and play together as a team for the first time and then we'll be doing our first filming session you know probably in the next month where we'll film you know probably all like the first round of of in division games so each team will play a match against the other two teams in their division we'll film those and we'll start releasing you know one a week on youtube and it will just storylines will come out of it. You know, as you play yeah. these teams, as you get to know the players, we'll, you know, we'll start growing and people hopefully will tune in. But if they don't, you know, even if it doesn't gain traction, it's still another thing that looks pretty good and is dodgeball. And I think when you asked, what's our goal here, the goal is that we both think dodgeball has a lot of potential. We've put a lot of our life and time into dodgeball. Um, and we've seen different things go, different directions a lot of times sideways when it comes to dodgeball and it being it having something else it's like oh you know what i saw that on youtube like dodgeball can be like a cool thing or it can be a competitive sport you just kind of something else that pushes in that direction um can only really be good for it gotcha yeah i have yeah. a okay. i have a background in like i mean i grew up rollerblading spent most of my life before dodgeball showed up rollerblading and i was when I was rollerblading, I was the filmer of my crew and I would like, you know, make all the skate videos that we made and everything. So 
one of the things that I missed uh, about my rollerblade days was doing that and like shooting stuff and, and making videos. And uh, <clears throat> when Alan like talked about this, I was like, I like my eyes got all big and my ears perked up because I was like, yo, we should definitely do that. Like we were just sitting at the bar after foam league one night and we were just talking and you mentioned major league wiffle ball and you were like, something like this could definitely exist. And I was like, yo, we could definitely do that. Like I have some of the skills to do that. Like I, I have a background in video editing and stuff like I can do that. So like we need to talk more about this. And then that's kind of how this was born. I mean, I think people will watch it. I think at the very least, like the dodgeball community is going to watch it. Right. Like I can tell you that it sells out pretty quickly here and like our people here are excited about it in Portland. And like, there is, what did we have close to 50 registrations? Yeah. That was one of the questions we got is we had um, about 50 players sign up. We only drafted 24. So it was, you know, kind of exclusive, right. You could be left out. Um, And, you know, people took that pretty well. Like a lot of dodgeball is, you know, everyone gets to play, everyone has a spot, but, when you're moving up to something that's competitive and you're trying to put on, you know, a good product and that, you know, that, that uh, competition level only makes it better. Like the fact that we had so many players that signed up that a lot of them in their rights, very good players. Like we had good, good, solid players that you'd be happy to have on your team, you know, on a Wednesday night. Yeah. End up don't, you know, not getting picked for this because we do have a ton of talent here in Portland. And that gives those players the, you know, like you said, I agree. There are, there's a handful of players that got that are on the outside looking in right now that are certainly talented enough to be on a roster. It just didn't work out that way. And this sort of will give them, you know, something to strive for locally. Like traveling is great. And like elite dodgeball was so much fun. Like we had so much fun doing that. Uh, but it is, it's a pricey thing. And, and now I believe USA dodgeball doesn't have even have regions anymore. So now you got to go to like, you know, the East coast and everything five times a year that, that gets pricey. And now we have like something local that P players can, can strive to, to get to like the next level in, in our own town. And they just have to drive 20 minutes across town to get to it. Right. Yeah. I think USA dodgeball is kind of, um, trying to scale like the amount of points a team would win based on the, the area. So like, you know, they just had the, the, the Tempe one here, couple weeks ago and that was massive so clearly the points that teams accrue are going to be much bigger than you know the amount of teams that show up in on the east coast and i I think they're figuring out that piece but um it's it's i feel like i can't say this because i literally flew over there a few times to play but i mean (laughs) there's a lot to be said about just being able to play local and getting that competitive fix and um i'm kind of looking at you know the social media posts that you guys had and um you know I think you said earlier, Alan, when it comes to storylines, like stories are going to come from this. And I feel like that is something that I've always thought dodgeball is severely lacking because, you know, I, I know players, um, I know their histories, um, but the outside observer does not. And, you know, if they, if you guys put together a pretty quality product and some dude is just watching and all of a sudden they really like, um, I'm assuming Brandon Cook is on there. I'm just going to pick on him. Like they see this kid throwing with both arms, wiggling all crazy. Like <laughs> they might want to actually get to know him. And then if you guys provide the the venue or the platform for that to happen, like, oh, yeah, I see this guy made the pilot interview or, you know, here's his number. Here's his story. Here's his background. Like you give you give reason for people to give a crap versus like sure. you can't really do that on a stream. Like you just see a cool dodge. And I mean, 
I always go back to like the the uh, the Jeff Giovinco backflip. Awesome, great, but like I know him. You know, uh, people that play on his team know him. But for the random person on Facebook that comes across that video, it's like, okay, this this kid did a backflip. I can take him. Like, there's no real history behind that, and that's one thing that. Um, Ironically enough, I was kind of listening to my very first interview with Eric Tillman's, um, and I remember he was talking about like storylines and like a narrative, and that really changed like how football was was perceived. Because at first it was like I don't even think like they had the same horizontal camera. Like you you were following the quarterback, and it's like impossible to tell what was going on. But when they switched the angle, it became like a linear story. Like the quarterback has the ball here, they're running, they're passing it just flowed better. And that's when people were finally starting to, to be able to latch on. So it's really cool to see this. And, um, yeah, I'm really curious, like how this is going to turn out. And I think we've got some, some crowdsource questions that kind of came up as a result of post, but I did want to say, I'm really disappointed to see that Michael Coy is back like that. <laughs> I'm actually first overall too. What a terrible choice. Yeah. Uh, he's so is he the King city Knights uh, owner then? No, uh, Brandon Cook is the King City Knights oh, uh, franchise man. owner, and his first overall selection was Michael Coy. Well, now I hate them both. God, God damn it, Brandon. <laughs> See, there you go. That hate is good. Yeah. So I think that's something that, that competitive dodgeball here in the USA has struggled with. Any kind of criticism or any kind of ribbing, even if it's not always good nature, that's that is good. Like that's what competitive sports draws. Like a lot of time your fandom for the team you love is only rivaled by your hate for the rival. <laughs> and that is good for the sport. Like you hating that team or you disliking those players, like you're not going out there to hurt them. You're a fan, but, but you trash talking and you, you know, playing that up online, that stuff is good for the sport too. And I feel like there's a lot of this, we need to police and we're a family and we're a community and it, it, it's sort of being pulled in two directions when you want everything to be so but wrapped in in foam but at the same time like we want to all be competitive and we want the best players to rise and it um neither ricky or nor i have any delusions about that like if this gets big there's going to be people who talk shit and you know they want to crap on a player or a team and that player makes a mistake and there's going to be stuff said that's part of sports. Like that's part of having what you do be out there. That's, uh, that's, it's, you can take it, you know, bad personally, you can take it good personally, but that's what it's about. Like, you know, when, you know, a player misses a shot in basketball and some dude had a bet on that or some dude, you know, some dude that was his team and he really needed a win. Maybe he's going through something and that guy missed the shot and he goes on, you know, X and trashes the guy that's part of the game that's part of it and um neither of us have, have i think i can i guess i can only speak for myself but i feel like ricky and i have talked about this that like the way the dodgeball community reacts to things like that is so soft i, I listen I, as a hockey fan like anybody who follows me on social media like you know that i post way more about the maple leafs embarrassing themselves than I do about my own team, like, cause I, I just love that. And I, I agree that like trash talk is a part of the game. Like it's part of competitive sports at every level, right? Like it, it just is what it is. And like, I think the inclusivity in dodgeball is great. I, I love everyone that I think everyone should come and play dodgeball all the time, but that's why we have rec leagues. And I think that, and I, I was pretty vocal about this with like a lot of the changes towards the end of elite. Like when I stopped playing, 
about like you know moving like switching off 8.5 to no sting because it's a easier ball to hold or whatever like that's not what should be happening at the highest level which is what elite was supposed to be that was supposed to be the the nfl the nba the nhl of that and like if you couldn't hold the 8.5 then maybe this isn't the arena for you and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that like but to to like to make that switch just because now everyone can play like that's kind of like telling like if you imagine if you'd like call a commissioner of the NHL and being like, well, not everyone knows how to ice skate. So we should, this, the NHL needs to move to foot hockey so everyone can play. And it's like, no, they don't. You need to learn how to ice skate or you don't get to play. Like, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> right. We have rec leagues all over the country. I mean, I can speak for our own city. We have, well, we have, we have dodgeball Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night in Portland. Like, yeah, you can play. And there are, I mean, the, the Thursday and the Tuesday league are, like, intermediate to competitive, but, like, everyone plays in those leagues. Like, we don't – there's no, like, bar for entry. So, like, we have four leagues in Portland. Like, if you want to play dodgeball, there is plenty of opportunity for you to play dodgeball at a lower level, and there's plenty of opportunity for you to play at a higher level to get up to the level where we're hoping to, you know, achieve with Grip City. Like, so you have options, and we've given you – I mean, how we do, we've done those practices a bunch of times and, and the Grip City Showcase, like there's definitely opportunity to play this exact format. And I just think that like a lot of those things should be happening. Like we equate the what should be happening at the rec league. We try to Im- implement that at the highest levels. And that's not really how it works in any other sport. They're separate for a reason. There's a, there's a reason why we have a rec league. There's a reason why we have, you know, youth sports. And there's right. a reason why the kids don't play against the NHL players. Like you got to right. start somewhere, right. but there's right. got to be somewhere for you to get to. Also, you need to have something to like a goal to achieve to. And like we talked about, those handful of players that are that are on the outside looking in right now, like those players are good enough to be in this, and they now have something to work for locally. So now they can put their heads down and go to work and practice and and get better at this. And then the next time the draft goes around maybe they get scooped up. Uh, this is probably a good segue, too, to, like, talk about the format of the league, no? Yeah, well, actually, I would it. like to, if you, if you guys oh. don't mind, I'd like to kind of walk back and just for, I don't know, just kind of share my piece on, like, the whole trash talking and... and uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, I want to go back, and I remember the Dodgeball Tribune was explosive because it would have, like, <laughs> the top 50 players, and people would lose <laughs> their freaking minds over this, but it was so engaging, and, and people were talking, and... Like I get to some extent, like you, you don't want to, you don't want to go too far in the in the lane of like toxicity or, or or making people feel bad. But at the same time, like if if you're trying to, and this is really easy for me to say now, you know, uh, playing armchair quarterback, you know, if you're trying to have elite dodgeball, the best of the best, I feel like I don't like to talk trash unless you're Dak Prescott, then I'll I'll blow you up all day on Facebook. Um, <laughs> You know, because I could do better, but um, you know, I, I just for me, it's like I've never had that desire to to talk trash to people. I mean, sometimes I might like make a make 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 a snarky remark to you, Alan, or maybe to Dylan, but that's it. And for people that talk trash to me, like, yeah, whatever. Like, I just I gotta get better. Like, yeah, that sucked. That was a, that was a crappy dodge, or you know, it just rolls off my back because I maybe I have thick skin or I'm just used to it. Um, but I feel like I don't know. There's gotta be some kind of balance, but at the same time. I do feel like USA Dodgeball has overcorrected this in the name of inclusivity to maybe like move past elite and allow everyone to come in and play. 
but that has definitely rubbed people the wrong way in terms of like, how do I be a competitor? And I mean, this could be an episode of itself if people want to delve more into it, but I have seen people like ask, like, you know, like even making hype videos now are, are, are kind of getting looked at like, you know, is, is it wrong to have a certain player post videos of them owning people for social media because we're not considering the feelings of those people getting owned. Like my team Ronin is really good feeder for like highlight videos. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, <laughs> shit guys. Like if you guys want to stop being a highlight reel, we, we should probably play better because this is, this is aggravating. Like, Oh, I just saw Vince like tear all four of us apart. Like what the hell are we doing? Like get our shit together. And, and that's, that's as far as it goes for me. Like I don't need yeah. to be police, but I'm, I'm also a completely different person with different upbringings. And I, I feel like it's really tough for you to say dodgeball to figure that part out. But if you're going to go out and carve yourself something in the spotlight of elite dodgeball, or in your case, what you guys are going for, then you kind of have to just let that happen. I mean, I'm sure you guys can understand when something goes a little too far and maybe you got to step in and, you know, draw the line somewhere. But like, I don't, I don't think, and maybe I'm blind to this. I don't think we've ever really hit that mark like to what I've seen where it's like now everything is, is under exam. And, um, I don't know, like that's just kind of like this weird thing I've been seeing, like just get overcorrected over the years. And again, please, by all means, like, if anybody's listening to this and upset, let me know. I'm happy to talk about it more, but the, the uh, dodgeball tribune time, that was the golden years. If you go back to that, them, you know, figuring out ways to rank players and things like that, like that, was so engaging yeah it drew so much attention from the people in the community and it seemed like the biggest detractors of it were often the people in charge uh and it didn't really i i never really understood why i never understood why the player base being engaged was such a problem for them um you know it's a problem for them because those people like you know the people that are on that aren't on that list who think they are or their friends are getting ranked below people they think they're better than or whatever. Like they get upset about that and they just start chewing them out. I bet you Tyler's DMS were just, yeah. And that's I why hundreds of messages. Yeah. And that's why I bring it up. Cause like, I, I love what he did. Like he, he brought another but, piece of content to the community and I feel like he just got dumped on constantly because he just had the audacity to like have an opinion on something. Um, but he was getting dumped on by the by the leaders of the community. Maybe not so much Mark, but yeah, uh, he was getting dumped on f from above. And what? Why? Like, I think Mark. Or I think Tyler could have taken the criticism of other people. Like, oh, I I was on the top thirty eight point five list, but I wasn't on the no sting or the seven inch list or the top fifty overall player. Do I do I disagree with that? Yes, I firmly disagree with that. Um, I was probably only even on the top 38.5 because one specific player voted me incredibly high. If not for that high vote, the numbers probably would have dropped me off. But Because uh, I was not very high on the list, but one person voted me very high. Uh, do you, I, you know, is someone sending Tyler like threats over this that's like the average player who wants to be on it? it no, the, the, the heat that came from above and it never that never made sense to me why, you know, the head of USA dodgeball or the uh, a board member of elite would want, would want something that's engaging the players and driving the community, you know, to talk and, you know, 
drive storylines. We talked about how important those are. Drive storylines. You say, hey, yeah. that you know that team that had six top thirty players on it, we just beat them. Like, great. That like that is good. That's good storylines. That's good engagement. That's good. You know, locker room material, like poster board material. Those things are good for the sport. Yeah. I mean, you guys will have control. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this how this goes. And um, before you segue into um, the, the other segment, like speaking of talking shit, Dylan has just been <laughs> just <awesome>. been on. <laughs> Notice the only uh, team he didn't say he was going to beat was mine. He put all the other teams, I'm going to beat them. But for me, it's just who are you? I, I think he knows. <laughs> he knows he's in trouble. Well, I see, like that's... I mean, I know Dylan. I've known him since he was a child, a wee lad, and uh, <laughs> it, it it cracks me up. I remember one time. I mean, even we were playing against his team because we we didn't pick him up for reasons, and he just shat on my guys, and like he he killed us. And he's like, "Don't you think?" Or what he say? He's like, "Bet you wish I was on your team now, Steve." I was all, "Yeah, yeah." He's kind of right. Shit. <laughs> like, and then we uh, uh, we love Dylan. We yeah. love having him yeah. up here. Um, I'm confused that he's like three or four years younger than me. That's super weird. I don't know how. Just when I look at him, he definitely doesn't look younger than me. Um, and his team's definitely not going to beat mine. So he was right not to say that. It's it doesn't the matter because I'm going to win. Well, I mean, that's fine, period. I'm yeah. in charge, so I make the rules. Maybe there's some some healthy shit-talking. Maybe there there isn't. I mean, I'm curious where this will go. And I, I think it will, if you let the players have personalities, I think you'll actually have some pretty good content as long as it's not like, over the top, like, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I think you guys know when someone's gone too far and you'll step sure, in. We're not, we're not advocating like beating each other up or anything. Yeah. You know? Like, like th there's talk trash on Facebook. It's fine. Like, yeah. The, it's fine. the great thing about filming these and then posting them later is that if something crazy happens, we can show the parts of it that we think drive the story. And then we can cut the parts that like, Hey, you went too far and we can take care of that behind the scenes with the player. It doesn't have to be a part of the content. Um, and so there, we do have that benefit of like, you know, the, the drop button, like the TV drop button. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, we do have that benefit, but, um, that being said, I, I think there's like this view of, you know, toxic, Oh, like that competitiveness is toxic or this response is toxic. sucks. Like certainly charging across the court with, you know, violent intentions is too far. It's that is much. toxic. But like, you know, banter across the court or like there's this this like teams will get very upset at each other. USA Dodgeball has kind of strict rules about that, but they're never enforced. Like there's no like when was the last time someone got carded? It, I was never carded. Ever. I screamed every time we made plays. <laughs> and but, I never but... got carded for any of that. I think I carded one person in the three in the three and a half years that we were in elite. Like it just it never really happened. And I think only one player was ever carded against us. And there was not even really a punishment for it. They like they got to play with a player and that player just had to sit out a game. That was the punishment at the time. So like hmm. that kind of stuff, it like you ha your refs have to feel confident that they're gonna be backed up if they make a call and uh that the players aren't going to go over the line and put their a, hands on someone. That's a struggle when the relationship is I paid a lot of money to be here, right? That creates like a dynamic where now a lot of hopes and expectations are put on top of a lot of cost. Uh, and that's, 
that's a rough relationship to have with your players when the people refing them are also your players, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's a complicated thing to to delve into, and I'm not trying to say if it comes off that I'm saying like USA Dodgeball has just made all these mistakes. I'm not. I, I understand, you know, that this is a complicated situation, but um, those problems exist to a much lesser extent. We've eliminated costs for players at this point. We've charged our captains and our players zero dollars to to be in Grip City. The the showcase tournaments cost seventy five dollars for a team to enter. A team of five that means you're paying fifteen dollars each to play nine, approximately nine round robin games, one against each other team, and then at least one best of seven elimination match. So you're getting essentially ten matches for fifteen dollars a player. Right. We want to eliminate those high cost, high expectation situations because it creates a really difficult dynamic for the organizer player relationship. When you throw ref as a third party in there, that's also player that is even worse. Yeah, that is it's tough to have to switch back and forth between that, manage that and then still want to be present with your team. Um, but right. and, and I'm glad you, you said that because like this is definitely not a, um, uh, a, a complaints against USA Dodgeball by any means. It's just a comparison of like how your league is going to differ from, you know, a league that's trying to encompass everything and just different different um, different objectives. But um, they're also like a, on a, on a, the national level. Like right. We're just a small little thing in our own city with six teams. Exactly. Yeah, you definitely you guys have a lot more leeway and 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 freedom to kind of experiment. And I bet it's gonna be fun. I remember um, when when we ran Tucson Dodgeball. Speaking of Dylan, um, he might remember me and my my buddy um, would make like vignette videos calling out another team and we just go back and forth making hilarious (laughs) videos, just talking shit to each other. And it became like the storyline. And uh, it it culminated when he actually he was cousins with Serge Ferrari and even got him to cameo and um, man it was so much fun so like I I'm kind of getting excited just to see how like this goes and, yeah like I was oh man I, I, maybe I'll send you guys some videos uh, offline but they're god they're fun those are good times but um, we can probably go on for for hours about the the craft talking and the the reminiscing but let's get into like the the structure of this um do you want to kind of explain that a little bit more ricky i think you mentioned that earlier yeah uh so what we've done we have six teams uh each team has a franchise owner slash captain which is me alan sean anderson brandon cook dylan tobia and uh mitchell hansen each of us has our own team uh and there's so there's six teams. We have two divisions, three teams in each division. And then over the course of the season, each team will play the teams in their division twice. And then the teams in the other division one time. And then at the end of uh, the regular season, the top four teams will make the playoffs. I believe we, the, I believe the top two, like the division leaders get a buy, right? So with four teams, there won't be a buy. If uh, four teams will get in the top team from each division and then the next two highest Right, uh, standing teams. So it's like a wild card for the second two, but the, it, it will most likely be the second place team in each division based on the amount of games right. we'll be playing. Right, and then each team will have five players. You have to have you have to carry a roster of five. You play four on four, so you have an extra player at all times. Uh, and then one of the things that we created to 
to uh, to keep like roster turnover and to give other people an opportunity to get in is uh, we created like a point cap, which sort of acts like a salary cap. And every player, basically from the jump, every player is worth three points and your point cap is 21. You can't exceed 21 ever. So if you have five players right away, you're at, everyone's at 15 off the hop. And then at the end of the first season, the top two teams, all of their players will go up to four points. And then the bottom two teams, all of their players will drop down to two points. Mm. So that will create a system where like, if you win enough or you finish top two enough, you're eventually, you do that two seasons in a row, you're going to, you're going to be over that point cap and you're going to have to cut a player and drop them and then bring in other players out of the draft who are worth three points now. So all of our players who signed up for this first season draft are put into the, the ones that were not selected are put into the free agent pool. So if teams are missing and they can't make four players to a filming session, they can pick up a, a free agent um, for that week. Uh, they can also cut a player if they decide, you know what, actually there's a player that signed up that's going to fit our team better. We can drop one of the players that we drafted and add that player. Um, but in order to be brought in in that way, the, the players have to sign up for that draft at the beginning of the season. So when season one ends, there will be another draft sign up. Uh, all the current players on teams don't have to sign up for that draft. But anyone who wants to participate but isn't on a team has to go through the draft. So each team will have an opportunity to, to draft as many players as they want in you know reverse order to finish. So the, the last place team will have first pick. Um, and then uh, those new players drafted will come in and the players that were let go will go back to the free agent pool. So players who haven't played on a team. So for example, someone asked, oh, who are some of the players that didn't sign up locally that you'd like to see play? Um, and I racked my brain and I could think of five oh, players that would have been on teams that would have been drafted had they signed up locally. Um, so say those five players want to sign up next season and I'll tell you who they are later. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> they will have to go in through the draft, meaning that they'll get fed to the teams that finished last in this previous season first, creating some more balance um, and also give not allowing a team to just bring in a player from out of nowhere that, that didn't have to go through the draft that, any, you know, everyone didn't have a, you know, sort of a, a connection to shot at. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, we kind of talked about, obviously this is going to be filmed. You guys are going to have like content piece. Um, you guys want to, want to go into like how an episode is going to be created? Um, like do we get a chance to see that already in the pilot or are you guys going to just, I mean, who, I mean, who, First of all, who's a poor guy that has to edit all this stuff? <laughs> That's Me. Ricky. Oh, okay. uh, you, can, you can see the basics of what it's going to be in the pilot. So just for like looking down long term, the things that we want to be there for season one that weren't in the pilot are intros, outros, like a like a like an introduction to the match that's going on, maybe a, a player bio or two, like a history scoreboard. of these teams playing. Um, we'll have a scoreboard on the screen. Um, I recently found out about the stat, the stat tracking, uh, mechanic that dodgeball Seattle had developed or was, or at least they talked about on their YouTube channel. Um, it's essentially an app that allows you to quickly choose, you know, quickly track the stats for a game. So in between games are, we want to have, you know, those kind of stats up there quick, you know, like who got the outs in the last game, who had the catch, things like that. We want to be able to flash that on the board. Um, and then at the end of the match also show like, you know, hey, who had the most throws, who had the most outs, who had the most catches, things like that. 
um, and and hopefully track those things throughout a season too. It, it's not something that would be that difficult to do. But the goal will be to get a website too and have that information database there so you can go look like, oh, we've had, you know, each team has played two matches. Like who's the leader in throws? Who's the leader in catches? You know, hit percentage. Who's got the most double outs? Like th things like along those lines so that there is actually some stat tracking to dodgeball. Nice. Uh, some, you know, some tangible evidence of who's playing well. Um, not just a, a win-loss for the team or, you know, the eye test. Uh, so, Ricky, you can go a little more into, like, what the editing comes down to because I don't think this would be possible without the skills you have there. The, so the those pilot episodes were, like, that was mo mostly just, like, uh, that was the first, like, hey, we got, we got the rule set down. Like, let's let's try it. So, like, no one had, had played this this format yet. And then also we had never filmed it. Like that was like our, that was mostly just like a, let's do a trial run and see what this looks like and what we need, you know, what we need to change or update. And like one of the things I remember we talked about, we had those cameras on the back line and they were low and we were like, we should probably raise those. It's going to look a little better if we put it up higher versus like down low, almost like almost below knee height. Uh, just so stuff like that. And then as far as like editing these episodes go, like each, I think we, I think each match in the regular season will be seven just each team will play seven games against each other uh so you could win seven zero you could win four three um and then we'll just do we have the main camera we'll we'll that'll be most of the footage will be from that main camera and then we'll you know we'll start each episode with you know probably you know some stats maybe some history you know head-to-head -head records and all that kind of stuff and then just play in the play out the seven games and then at the end you're like yeah like you mentioned like the stats we'll put up the stats up there we have the main camera at, at the center that pans back and forth much like most any sport has like that center level camera and then we have the two gopros pointing opposite directions so we can cut back and forth for extra angles and stuff and then yeah awesome. it's gonna be a lot of editing for sure I mean, we, we went through and it, it took about a day just our first time and ricky kind of relearning uh final cut you know, yeah, like I've that for a minute. So making those like ten to fifteen minute cuts took about a day. You know, maybe like not like a twelve hours, but like it took a good day of us getting together and working through it and kind of getting some baseline stuff down. Like you know, when we cut to a replay, make it look like this, so people kind of will intuit as they see it happen. Oh, we're looking at a replay now. Yeah. Um, we also recording. recorded commentary and post. So that commentary that's recorded on there was done basically as we were editing it, um, which I think we'll probably continue with that just because live dodgeball commentary is, it would add an extra, right now, an extra barrier to it right now that we don't really have the technology to overcome. But I think I could see us at some day switching to live commentary. We're not against that. It's just we're working, you know, there's limitations as we start out that we have to work through. Sure. Gotcha. Uh, we have jerseys coming in for the first uh, for the first season. I mean, we're keeping it simple again. Like I said, no cost to players. So we have shorts and two shirts each. Um, they're not like a jersey like you'd see like rainbows jerseys. They're right now they're just colors. Um, we may be able to print something onto them, like the logo of the league. Things like that may happen. But right now, it's just a matter of kind of getting things out, getting sure. getting this looking good, um, putting it in front of people, figuring out what we need to change before we go, you know, spend $400 a team on jerseys instead of what we spent was yeah. $400 for the whole league's shirts and shorts, you know? 
the long-term goal is to have like the long-term goal is that you should be like theoretically on your team for a while like you shouldn't this shouldn't just be like a draft league where it's like oh next season we're all on different teams like you should be with this team for a minute and like you know long term i think people will start making their own jerseys and you know when we once we get the wheels going and we start you know get comfortable with what we're doing and, and get it a little more streamlined i think you'll see like a lot of teams will probably start making their own jerseys and and it'll look a little more different but right now like yeah we just want it to look neat and have each team matching so there'll be everyone's a different color so it's you know one of the i know mark acom was always pissed about this but like that that was so like frustrating to me that like there were teams that just like didn't even have jerseys at elite and stuff and it's like this is supposed to be like the big leagues like you spend a bunch of money to be here and like be a team and then you just don't even have jerseys no oh, yeah or like That's... one guy has a jersey but he's wearing his taco shirt instead yeah that always upset me <laughs> One specific person that's very tall. Yeah. Yeah. Or 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 uh, or throws really hard. Yeah, the yeah. tall guy and the guy that throws hard. It, it was a mess five? trying to keep them in in order. No, I, I sympathize with Mark because that was always a pet peeve of mine too. It's like we want to be seen as a professional organization, and some of us are kind of wearing the same jerseys. <laughs> like, right? What are we doing? But um, these these team names. Uh, so are they? Are they specific to like the region? Because I noticed um, like King City Knights, Southeast Meltdown. Um, are they like location specific or it's just kind of representing all of the like Portland, Oregon area? So, I mean, we, we went with like soccer-esque names because like we wanted it to have like real names and not just like silly, goofy names like you see in rec leagues or whatever. Like Right. Uh, and then with it with it being like a local thing, like you know, we can't all be you know Portland Meltdown and Portland Knights, like so we we decided to go with sort of like regional areas, like you know, like I live on the southeast side, so that's why I chose Southeast Meltdown, and like you know, uh, you, uh, Dylan lives down in Eugene, so like Eugene Elite, like was his thing, stuff like that. It's like it's region specific, but like kind of. We gave the captains a lot of flexibility. There, you know, there was some stuff that came to like, let's discuss this, let's make this change. You know, take an S off of this, or uh, you know, add this part to it to make it, you know, region specific or make it sound a little better. Um, but yeah, for the Eugene Elite is the most general, but or, or the you know, like the big picture. But yeah, the the rest of them are really local to Portland. Terwilliger is like a space on I five here. That's like very curvy and on a big hill, and um, they call it, it's called the Terwilliger Curve, like that part of the city. So uh, that was something that that made a lot of sense to us is to tie it back in here locally, right? Um, and just give it a little bit of flavor from from like where we're from. And like, I mean, the name of the league is Grip City, which is sort of a play on like grips, and then also Rip City, which is like the Blazers thing. Oh, okay. I've been wanting to ask about that so it's rip city is where this came from but you guys coined it grip city so we decided on that for the name of our league but i think that that was originally thought of by uh the down they were downpour they were originally grip city and then it was like grip city downpour and then they dropped grip city um i'm not sure why because that was like the best name that they ever had um in my opinion and so we've always kind of loved that name idea um, and if you remember, like grips used to be like that's kind of a slang term for catching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, grip city combined with rips, like that play on rip city, 
it just it was too good to pass up when we were trying to decide on a on like a name for this thing gotcha Right, so I think we can uh, go into some of the crowdsource questions that we got. Um, I know we posted this like on Sunday, so I do appreciate the few people that were able to, to write in and ask some questions so we can kind of continue the conversation. But uh, Junior asked, um, you know, what made you guys decide to start this up? And you guys kind of talked about it a little bit, but I'll kind of let you take that, Alan. We talked about our inspiration, but definitely something that kind of gave me the idea to to move in this direction and to really take control of it myself was my experience with uh major league dodgeball and the investor that wanted to start like a pro dodgeball league at end of 2022 and it kind of went into 2023 as he was sort of continuously fighting against the community and their expectations and their kind of feelings of what um how it should go and how much control they should have and things like that it, it really um, made me not want this to ever be in someone else's hands or to have to deal with um, you know, sort of the the greater community and sort of the, you know the popularity contest or uh, the gauntlet that things run through when you let every single person have an opinion on everything um, for something that's like that's gonna involve you know a hundred people that that is unwieldy so that we could kind of make this a, a two-person operation and run it locally and maybe find our way to something like that same, you know, professional dodgeball or like, you know, a high-level dodgeball product. Um, it really kind of gave me the motivation to just kind of take it and figure out how, you know, I can work here locally to make something like that happen and not have to worry about the opinions of everyone everywhere or what they think it should be or, you know, trying to, trying to get some kind of power in it as it got started. Um, so it, that was a big motivation for me, the way that that went down. It felt really sour to me. And I wanted, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say like a second chance at it because I wasn't in charge of that by any means or, you know, anything like that. But I, I could see how difficult that was on the guy that tried to run it and how he just kept coming back to the why is this so difficult <laughs> and i yeah. and i really didn't think it should be so i thought okay how can i you know make this simpler and and get something that off uh, like that off the ground yeah i was going to say yeah you're digging up old wounds but um you know i i, I think we've talked like offline a few times i've i've kind of made my peace with it um i just saw it as like for whatever reason it's it's just the community's not ready for it so it's it's kind of cool to see um, you know, you guys branch out and do your own thing. And I, I think, I feel like, um, Lou was doing something really similar too up in Seattle where it's just like kind of focusing on the local scene, tapping into the resources and the talent there and kind of just taking their own ownership over something versus, um, you know, being, I don't want to say hindered, but like, kind of like you said, like when, when there's just too many, too many hands in the, in the pot, so to speak, it, it kind of hinders, um, the original vision. So, um, I think. See if uh I'm I'm super pro that that idea of like start your own shit like oh sorry I can't curse on this right oh you guys I, I've okay. I've given up like shame I I'm very pro start your own shit like I I let me do no, it again Ricky Jesus <laughs> <laughs> I have no interest in playing pinch ever but I kind of love what those guys over in the Midwest did with the NCDA like or the NDA. Yeah, uh, that's so rad that those guys were just like, whatever, if, if 8.5 and pinch is going away, then we're going to start our own thing and we're going to run our own thing. And it's like, I've been, I, I don't play pinch. I'm never going to 
but I've been watching a bunch of that stuff and it's super fun. Like I don't really like the format, like that long court and the, the timed games. I'm not super into that, but like I am very pro the start your own thing, do your own things, do it your way. You touched on it, lose doing it up in Seattle with the slams and stuff. Like just start your own thing. If you don't like what other people are doing, just start your own thing and do your own thing. And if you do something cool, people will play. That's just all it is. Yeah. I mean, I've started a few things and, um, I could have waited for the right time, but you know, I started and ran with it and it's, it's been very, uh, rewarding in its own right. And, um, you know, in, in the past I'd be like, Oh no, more, more splinters of, of dodgeball and kind of get away from this like unification type thing. But I feel like we have that. I feel like USA dodgeball has done a pretty good, 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 hot, good job holding that. But then, there's just other things that people want to try and explore and kind of like we said with like the pinch, like their content is pretty awesome. I just watched this one kid yeah. pluck a ball out of freaking the air from a pinch throw. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that kid's a monster. And, um, you know, it, I think all of us that truly love dodgeball want to see it shine regardless of, of how it's done. Um, so, but this, this might be a hot take, but unification is out the window. Anyone who thinks that that's a realistic option for dodgeball is outside of their mind because you can't get people on one team to agree on a specific ball type, let alone an entire country or world, really. Like, there is no unifying this. We have too many options as far as balls go and too many different formats, and you are never, ever, ever going to convince everyone to play with one ball or to do one thing. It's just never going to happen. I think if... uh Let's just have fun with this little thought experiment. If you guys succeed with this, you go viral, you take off, you get lots of money, lots of sponsors. Um, I think you'll see unification happen real fast. Um, <laughs> but if until that then. If stuff is there from up front, maybe. Yeah. May- maybe. Um, I think the quicker path to that is all new players. Um, unfortunately, <clears throat> in my experience last, the you know, the a year ago, I, I think, unfortunately, there's just a certain segment of the players that... Um, that if they're not at the center of it and it's not about them, it isn't, it can't go anywhere. And that was, that was the impression I got. It could be wrong. You know, I'm just looking at it from the perspective I'm, you know, I'm sitting here with, but uh, the, the the quicker path to that will be, if we have those things, other athletes from other sports will show up and um, then we're all in trouble. (laughs) I'm 36, you know, in a month. So if 24 year old, you know, athletes start showing up that are, high caliber you know pitched things like that and they're looking for something different to do with their time um oh yeah it's on all us old folks are gonna be in some trouble i'll be able to teach them some stuff that's for sure yeah you can be a coach maybe or we'll start the uh the senior league but but i'm i would love that i say this to people all the time when you know when a new player comes in and they're like they comment uh, oh like oh i wish i could throw like that or you know you get to take all the throws and i'm like well I hope for the one day where I'm on the team and I'm the worst player, like when, when that happens, I will have arrived, right? The day that I get to be the worst player on my team and, you know, some high percentage of the expectations of the team aren't on my shoulders and I can, you know, focus on other things, littler things that help the team win. um, That is like a dream for me. I'm not here to be the center of everything and the best player. I'm not on the court to make it all about me, but, you know, if I end up final player, I've got to get the job done. And that, you know, that happens a lot. And so I try to try my best to get the job done as many times as I can. But I mean, we loved playing with, with Lou back in the day because Lou was 
like physically on another level from us. And it, and it meant that we could do different things that made things easier. I don't think any of us has played with a player with that kind of physical ability, you know, very often. Um, and so if all the players that showed up were physically Lucas and mentally, you know, the most focused mind we're we're done. <laughs> like I, I could play on that team as the sixth player shagging balls and handing them off, you know? I was gonna say, uh, if you can't wait, turn forty, and then uh, there you go. <laughs> if anything, at least I do know that I'll probably be able to play for a long time. I have that in my uh, in my genes. Yep. I mean, shoot, your dad is fifty eight. Fifty eight, and he still he still tries. Yeah, I mean, it was it was, <laughs> it was great winning with him uh, two yeah. months ago. That was awesome. So he he can still contribute. He gets lost yeah. now and then, and he can't hear very good. But... <laughs> Yeah, that was a good time. Um, all right, so Junior also asked, uh, how do you feel it's going so far? Um, back to the questions. I think it's going well. I think uh, we learned a lot from that pilot episode, and I think more recently, the last few weeks, we've gotten a lot of stuff like hammered out, uh, namely like getting the draft together, getting those <clears throat> player, those captain bios and franchise announcements and everything out. Like, I think we're I think we're making good steps, and we're you know we're maybe what, a month or two out from shooting now. Hmm. Yeah, I would guess it less than two in the range of a month. We put out the first round of the draft on Monday. Uh, so by Thursday, all four rounds of the draft will be available to everyone. Um, so follow us, Grip City Dodgeball, uh, to see those come out. And then, you know, news for when more things are coming. Uh, a lot of, a lot of you know, our, our jobs have been over the last month is just get a barrier out of the way. Like, is this going to be something that we have to have, okay, figure out how to get it. Is it something we don't have to have? Okay, put it to the side for now. Like, we'll, we'll come back around to that. That's a season two thing. That's a season three thing. Like, we have to get it going. And and we can't just wait for it to be perfect. We can't only put out, like, the best quality thing. We got to figure out how to get something that's good enough out so that things keep moving forward. And, um, I mean, for just two guys, you know, with some help from some friends, I, you know, I think things are going really well. Nice. Yeah. Like I've, like I've been saying, I've been, I hope it does continue. And, um, it seems like there's, there's enough like chatter about it. And I mean, hopefully this episode helps and, and people can start tuning in and, and just get more, more excited for it. But I like that you, you say we have to start somewhere and then just, just get it going and, um, you know, iterate as you guys go. And, um, maybe talked about it too, but junior also asked like, what's, what's the end result you're aiming for? Uh, I would say like the number one end result for me is just to bring, you know, an, another legitimate, you know, layer to dodgeball. Like we're not trying to reinvent and make everyone play four on four. We're not trying to make everyone play, you know, 8.25 foam, but we are trying to put out something that's dodgeball that not just the community can enjoy, but that people outside of dodgeball can find a connection to can find, you know, interesting storylines in, can find, you know, good content, something they want to tune in for, you know, once a week or twice a week, you know, to watch a match and and follow with, you know, whatever players or teams they identify with. So just getting just getting something else that Dodgeball's never, you know, never really seen on this level to hopefully kind of pull it, you know, pull the bar up, I guess maybe. Right. This is also, like I said, I touched on this earlier. This is just something I'm like filming and editing is something I missed from my like 
rollerblade days, like making skate videos and stuff. Uh, and like, you know, if, if we make this and, and nobody watches it, whatever, like I love dodgeball. I love doing what we're doing. Like it's having, we're having a ton of fun. Like one of the coolest things about elite was like, we acted like pro athletes for a weekend. Right. Like, yep. and all of us, like everyone that watches sports, like acts like pro athletes at times. Like, so like at the very least, like we all get to like have a competitive thing to play dodgeball uh, where we can play at a high level. And the expectation from all 36 players in this league is that like, this is going to be serious dodgeball. This is not goof off rec league Wednesday night. Like this is the real deal. Like you're expected to be competitive here. And like, at the very least we're having fun. So like my end result is to have fun, but like ideally people will, will take hold and, and think this is super cool to watch. And if we get a bunch of people in the door because of it, then great. That's awesome. I feel like that's probably the best approach is, you know, you're doing this out of, out of passion for creating videos again and for the, for the sport. And that's, I mean, even talking to you guys and, and kind of dusting out the cobwebs again for, for podcasting is like, Oh man, I miss this. Like I remember starting this thing thinking, I don't, maybe my mom might listen. Um, <laughs> and if that's all I get, then cool. At least I get to express myself in some capacity. And, you know, you fast forward with the years and, uh, just thinking about all the, the, uh, the countries we've been in and, and how, how much it's grown has been so rewarding to, you know, still have people come up and say like, Hey, you know, thanks for the podcast. You know, I listen to it on the commute to work. Um, hopefully you guys really feed like, a not like a whole, but like, you know, if you, if you guys can entertain people across the, the U S or even across the world with, you know, watching Koi eat complete shit, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> so please feed me all the, all the, all the, the, uh, the content of that. But, uh, yeah, you never, know. you never know unless you try. So, um, got a couple more from Charlie. Um, I'm not sure if you guys want to answer this one, but he asks, why aren't you guys posting how the draft went so we can hear captains talk about why they're drafting who? Um, I talked about it a bit in the last question that there's kind of, um, there's kind of like a bar. Like we just don't want to put out everything. Right. Um, we don't want to put out stuff that looks bad or, uh, you know, like isn't, you know, at least somewhat kind of a finished product. So we could have filmed the draft. We could have um, put that out there, but it would have added like another barrier to getting it done. Um, it would have slowed things down. It would have added extra. So um, the draft stuff is going to come out. There's place for, you know, I put it, put out the first round today. It went out on Grip City Dodgeball and I went in there and commented like, you know, are these the players you would have taken? You know, who would you have taken with your first round? You know, if you had the first pick, like we want, we want to invite that conversation. We want to hear um, the players talk about it and the, you know, the captains picked who they picked. You can ask them if they wanted to pick that player instead. But once you have the player already, you're probably not going to hear them say, you know, I wish I had Mangold, you know, they probably are. The human brain is designed to sort of accept and, and think that the thing you did is actually the best thing. <laughs> so uh, the players out there, you know, their opinions are the ones we want to hear. I want to hear if you think that that first pick was a bad pick. Should he have taken Mangold? Should he have taken Kenny? You know, sh should Spencer have gone, you know, third overall? Like I want to hear, those Spencer did go third overall yeah should he have that's what I'm saying should he have oh, gone okay, third yeah. overall I, I want to hear that's that's what we want to hear from the community like if you want to say hey you know what actually Spencer shouldn't have even gone in the first round like when you see that the first pick of the second round was Kyle Be uh was uh Greg Long and then Kyle Beasley was the second pick of the second round should you say like you know actually Spencer probably should have gone you know last pick of the first round or, or something like those are things we want to hear and the players in the league can can handle it they have to to be in this league, you're going to have to be able to handle that kind of talk. And that's 
what being like an athlete with some you know on some level is that you have to be able to accept that conversation the criticism right yeah and that's why we're posting the draft order to sort of set that precedent like this is what it is like if you can't handle the fact that you know you're gonna look at that list and go why did this person get picked above me or whatever then like then this might not be the place for you yeah if you can't turn that into fuel to say like you know, you say you were picked in the last round. Grace, Grace Roan was the last pick of the draft. If she can't look at that and say, "Hey, you think all these players are better than me? I'm going to prove you wrong." And I know, and I know she can take that attitude. She, if right. if she thinks she's better than those players, she's going to convince herself probably even if she doesn't, and she's going to do her best to to show that she should have actually been picked higher. And you know what? Every one of us who's ever been picked low, that's an advantage. If you think you're better than those players, your team got you for cheaper. That right. means you are your ceiling for what you can produce is more. That first overall pick basically has to play amazing all the time. Like if they don't play well, their team is going to get dragged down because they spent the most to get that player. So those players who go in the later rounds have the most opportunity to grow and really help their team because their team spent you know less to get them in capital, like draft capital. So the the, the opportunity cost is way higher. Right. So th- those are things that when you start thinking about it from like a game theory perspective, like getting picked last isn't bad. That means you, you can, you know, have the most potential to help your team for the least cost. Like that's a great position to be in. Right. And then those players we talked about, like those players on the outside a, a couple times, but like, this is, you need to look at that draft order and you need to say, all right, six people thought that those players were better than me. So I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to figure out, how to show them that they messed up. They made the wrong choice there. And some people I think are going to do that. I think there's going to be players that put their head down and they're going to go, damn it. Like I need to get better at this because I need to get drafted. And then there's some people I think that might just sulk and just whine. And that's, I don't know what to tell you like other than go to work. Yeah. Yeah. And that really segues well into Charlie's next question. I, and I, uh, I alluded this earlier that I would give the names, uh, names of players (laughs) in Portland you wish signed up. So um, personally, I, I just to directly answer his question, I wish I wish everyone had signed up. Even if it didn't get picked, there's no reason not to sign up. You're not losing. It didn't cost anything. Um, sign up just because it's cool. Like then your name's in the draft, you know. Uh, but there's five players that I think, and I and I could be overlooking someone, but there's five players that I think would have no doubt been drafted had they signed up that didn't sign up. You know, for various personal reasons or. You know, they didn't have enough time or, you know, whatnot. I'm not saying they, they maliciously didn't or didn't want to or don't care. I'm just saying that these are players who didn't sign up that had they signed up, they would have been drafted 100%. Uh, and that is starting in no particular order. Uh, Clay Macias, Kegler Mann, uh, Harley – what's Harley's last name? Cherk. Here, let me Facebook it here. Nurheim Cherk. There we go. I think it's hyphenated with his yeah. uh, wife's Kelsey's name. Uh, and then uh, Michael White and last was Reeve Moore. Those players would have all been picked, no doubt, had they signed up. I think if they all signed huh. up, uh, two of them in particular, Michael White and Reeve, I think definitely shake up that first round. Yeah, with yeah. all the <clears throat> excuse me, with all the damage they were causing, the, the few times I played against them, I'm, I'm shocked they didn't, I guess, maybe life prevented him from from playing this time i guess so that's weird 
Michael White was the single as as far as like a one category player that was dominant. There's no one here that can beat him on that center rush for the opening ball. Like he's he wins that ball every single time, which means your team is immediately on the attack. If you get that first out, you're starting the game ahead. Yeah. You know, very high percentage of the time. Like the, I I think that a good chunk of the draft of the captains would have picked him either first or second had he been in the draft. So um, he he was like consensus top player because because it's like a it's like in baseball they call you like a four tool player or five tool player like if you can hit for power if you can run the bases if you can field like he is a he's close to like a four a five tool player and that he can do everything but he hits seventy home runs <laughs> so like you, <laughs> it, it's kind of okay if he doesn't do everything else perfectly because he hits seventy home runs which is winning that center ball every single time you know. Um, let's see. Uh, Charlie asked about betting. Also, Char- I don't think we'll have betting. The games aren't live. Uh, you know, they're filmed and produced and put out later. Um, uh, but just adding that dimension, like <laughs> Ricky and I talk all the time about pro sports and the impact of betting, you know, players betting, are they allowed to bet on their own sports? What if they're not betting on their team? Like <clears throat> that's just a nightmare. I don't want to be involved. <laughs> no, yeah, you can pass on that one. Um, <clears throat> I did like his other question. Um, how would you how would you guys describe Portland dodgeball overall? Dodgeball, jeez, do, dodgeball overall. I think we're in a good spot. Uh, I think we we're working out some kinks right now. I think we have some things that need to change a little bit. But I mean, like I said earlier, we have we you can play in a dodgeball league Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, and usually Fridays we have like a practice or pickup night, like so. You could theoretically play all five days of the week. Like, there's a lot of dodgeball here. The rec league that we that we started running is uh, is booming, and like I think we are at like sixty or seventy percent of the league is like either first or second time players. Like, you know, and if we can if we can maintain like ten percent of them and get them to fall in love with this, like that's huge, right? So like, I think those things are doing great. Allen's league, like. What registration sold out in like three hours? Yeah, less that we launched it on a Tuesday at like one, and it was filled by by three forty five that same day. Forty two spots filled up uh, in less than three hours. So um, that's great. Not to mention that there's three different ball types you can play here. You could play no sting. You can play the big foam. You can play the seven inch foam right now. Um, so you know if there's one that you care about and you don't care about the others, perfect. If uh, you want to play like the USA dodgeball style, um, the seven inch foam league plays, you know, it's a mixed gender draft. It plays on the women's size court. Uh, and then the no sting plays on the, you know, 25 foot throw line, you know, 50 foot court. That's traditional to USA dodgeball and elites, no sting. So you can play that uh, or you can play the Monday like rec league, which is just like wall to wall, you know, 11 on 11 or 10 on 10, like kind of the more traditional like LA style or Bay Area style rec league when you think of it, that kind of no sting. Whereas like the Tuesday is five on five and the Wednesday is seven on seven. And so there's like a good mix, like whatever kind of dodgeball you might want to play, you can pretty much find like the space for it here. So so, uh, four nights of leagues seems like a lot and sometimes it can be a drain on the community. But if as we're growing, like that's just becoming more and more possible and, you know, good that there's that many outlets. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. Also, the the foam league that you run like is a is a very different style than most have seen. I think like it's the yeah. VDL style up in Canada and Vancouver, BC, where the individual ball count, where they're like you know each ball has its own timer. Yeah, you won't find that really anywhere except here and there. Um, I don't know of anywhere else that even plays with the big foam ball really, except for like a one-off foamy in Seattle here and there. So, yeah, that that's it's a very unique style. If you came from out of town. You've probably never seen anything like it if you just played in your local rec league. So it's a it's a really big uh, difference, but it also really drives the the growth of each individual player gotcha. because of the speed of the game and the type of count. So and you can't like I mean you can pass your ball off, but it's a little harder to when like you have a ball and then the ref is like this ball right here you have five four. It's like you just kind of have to learn how to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, from like I said earlier, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, my my few experiences over there have been pretty positive, and I, I do enjoy when I can go out there for various reasons to get out of the heat, and then just, um, just kind of I don't know, playing something completely different to me. And um, I remember, I think like two thousand seven or eight, somebody had come to play Tucson dodgeball. We called him Dodgeball Hero for reasons I won't get into, <laughs> but he would talk about how Portland was just like just exploded with dodgeball like there was like 60 team leagues and it was just like crazy um and i wonder if you know maybe that's where you guys are ultimately headed down the road or if that can be brought back but i remember a long time ago portland was already kind of just on the radar just for for having a really good capacity to to host uh leagues and and offer dodgeball to people yeah recess time it was it was called recess time sports league it was humongous when i started playing yeah so you know then Uh, that's yeah our our thursday night league had like i think at the height of it it had like 55 teams or something it was i think that's a little unsustainable you know (laughs) we had had like five different gyms across town on thursday night so if you played like you know a lot of people played on multiple teams and reft and you might have to go to three different gyms over the three hours of the night like because it was just too many teams to to really sustain, but it was absolutely crazy. Like I remember playing in like three seasons before you ever play the same team twice, and then like the tournament started at like seven a.m., oh, eight a.m., and then you were there till like ten p.m. if you went all the way to the finals. Like it was crazy. Yeah, it was a it was a silly time, and the the well, I mean, a lot of great players came from that. If you're looking at like market to like population size like the fact that you know a lot of these tournaments in the west were dominated by you know la san diego type players like makes perfect sense like one little corner of of la has as many people as you know the portland metro area so i always took pride that we would bring rainbows and we were like a competitive team given that we're pulling from like one one hundredth of the you know, possible player base. Right. Well, um, Sabrina asked, uh, who decided on the team names and how did they come up with them? I think you guys covered that already. Um, just trying to tie it into like relative Portland areas, um, kind of like based off a of soccer feel. So I don't know if you guys wanted to revisit that or if you guys are satisfied with your answer earlier when we were kind of talking about like the structure. I think we're good on that one. I do yeah. appreciate Junior, Charlie, and Sabrina, you know, putting out questions. I know it was on short notice, um, and I tried to, I, I, you know, I got it, some things thrown to me over the last month, or 
you know, like I talked to you months back when we were thinking about this. So I've had some people who've given me like, um, you know, what is this? Like, why are you doing this? So I tried to tie a lot of those past questions into you know things I talked about here. So thank you to the people who've, you know, reached out to kind of figure out what's going on and just say, Hey, like, you know, keep it up. We want to see it. You know, we're, we appreciate that. And, you know, any support just, just follow and comment on the social media stuff. Like it doesn't matter. Just say, Hey, awesome. Or, you know, yeah, we, we want that engagement. We want to see you guys talk trash. We we're all about it. This is, this is going to be competitive, but it's also going to be fun. Uh, so we want that. We want, like, if you see something and you want to talk some shit, like go right ahead. We support that. Yeah. Well, you guys are, Really making me wish I lived in Oregon right now because that it, it looks like a lot of fun and I just uh, I.e. Dylan. What's that? <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> you come. Trash talk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dylan trash talking, and you can just be Dylan and just move on up here, buddy. It's it, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, I just have to go to Africa first, and then we'll see what happens. You take the long way home. I was really gonna say I'm, take, I'm taking the long way. Um, God, it's gonna be a freaking long way. Anyway, um, well, uh, I guess before we wrap up, or I guess we, as we wrap up, were there, were there any things that you guys wanted to throw out there for like last thoughts, or you guys feel pretty good like we covered it? And I mean, definitely want to check in, you know, as this progresses and, and and see how it's going for you guys, and and you know, just try to not so much in tandem with you know when you guys are releasing content, but I definitely want to be able to bring you guys back on. And kind of talk about like you know progression and and changes and, and stuff like that. But um, what would you like to leave us with? We'll start with uh, with you, Ricky. Uh, I mean, just just follow all the social medias, follow along. Like I said a minute ago, just get involved, talk trash. We want to hear it. Like we're here for it. Nice. Yeah, and thank you, Steve. We really appreciate you bringing us yeah. on. Um, I know you've got a busy schedule, and thanks to Sergio for reaching out to us and kind of re-sparking me to think about reaching back out to you to finish the thread that we talked about. You know, a couple of weeks back and do you know are we gonna see you here in March I heard there's rumors that you were playing so uh, without, giving, without giving you my life story it's a 50 50 chance 50 um, 50 chance okay. yeah so you're saying there's a chance there's there's a chance <laughs> I just sometimes I forget that the army owns me more so now than even when I was a commander and it's it's really weird to get used to but uh, the plan is to still make it out there and I know um, some of the Tucson kids are really excited to go so um yeah hopefully i'll see you guys uh in a couple of weeks um i'll definitely need it but um yeah no thank you for for hopping on and like i said i i didn't really mean to go on a extended break but i guess that's a good way to kind of end season seven kick off season eight and uh you know get my feet wet and get used to this again because I, I do miss it and I'm, I'm sure once you start uh rolling ricky you'll, you'll really get lost in this it's 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 a lot of fun to just kind of create stuff and, and throw it out there for consumption and um also thank you to sergio for you know getting that fire going he's really good at that so um cool well i guess we'll just uh leave it at that so we'll go ahead and end the conversation here all right so that was my interview about the uh, grip city dodgeball league um hosted by alan thomas and ricky serrett and thank you guys so much for for being uh patient with me and let me actually um find the time to have you both on and discuss this a little bit more and get to, get to know about it a lot more. Because um, as I've said, I think throughout the episode, I've, I've had the privilege and the joy of playing in a couple of the Grip City tournaments in Oregon. Um, and it's it's been it's been very refreshing to just kind of go far away from what I'm used to, engage in some dodgeball, and really kind of slowly fall in love with the sport again. Um, we have a, we, I have a really weird relationship with dodgeball lately just because of all the 
the pulls of my army obligations and any chance I get to just kind of unplug and play it has has been great and plus I really like the Pacific Northwest it's it's really growing on me for various reasons but um anyway um one thing I wanted to to kind of discuss real quick is just like the the promoting of trash talk like that's not really something that I'm as a as as an individual am really keen on I I know it happens um playing sports all my life like I've never really felt the need to really get into it um I, I, but I understand it's part of the experience. And I think as long as you're not like intentionally, you know, insulting or taking away from the experience of someone else, I feel like there is a place for it. And I know that there, that has been voiced in a lot of the, um, social media mediums and, and people that have kind of just watched over the years talking and, and showing, you know, so that they're proud of doing. And I know that it's a, it's a delicate balance that USA Dodgeball is trying to, to monitor. Um, cause again, I, I don't want to diminish anybody's experience or perception. Um, it, it is, it is tough, but I also do think that, um, when you're playing a game like dodgeball, which is aggressive, which the intent is to actually hit somebody with a projectile, uh, there's going to be celebration and there's going to be some, some moments where that, that, that aggression comes out and that competitiveness comes out. And um, I'm hoping that, um, you know, Ricky and Alan are able to find a good, um, positive or productive outlet for it without it getting too excessive. And I'm sure we'll, we'll see over the course of the season, how it turns out. And if it really does add to the value of the game and, um, I think for season eight, I'm definitely looking forward to participating as much as I can. I know I will have a more reduced role as I get ready to go on my next adventure. And, uh, but I'm really looking forward to what Sergio has um, coming up and also our uh, third host who I will let that person kind of announce that when they're ready. But um, I think between interviews, international scene and some events from Sergio and what our third host wants to participate in. I think we'll have a really good, um, and solid season eight. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to doing it again. I, I do miss this. And I know we had like a little bit of a unceremonious, uh, end to season seven, but, um, with the holidays and life, it just kind of, yeah, we're, we're just going to move on from it. So, um, anyway, if you are listening and you would like to voice any concerns or opinions or discuss any of the themes that we talked about or just anything in general, please feel free to reach out to me and uh, we'll figure out how to, how to bring you on and have a good old conversation about dodgeball. But um, if you're still with me, um, in the meantime, have a great rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. Excuse me. Oh. <laughs> to the you might want to reset that one. Let's uh, give me a second here. Um, <clears throat> are you having a beer with us, Alan? No, it's a kidding. Coke, and it just got to me. Twenty twenty two, yeah, twenty twenty five ish. All right, I'll go ahead and count you down, and you'll just resume again. In three, two, one.